0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bible, just pull it out or or turn it on, whatever you got to do. And and if you can, just open up with me uh, to the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis, the the 32nd chapter. Book of Genesis, 32nd chapter. When, When you get there, you could say there. For real? Three of you, it's it's Genesis people. Um, go to your table of contents and flip it over. It's right there. Uh, if you see any other book, you've, you've gone too far. Okay. So Genesis 32 verse, verse 22. And then in a little bit, when I'm done reading that, we're going to skip on over to the book of, of, of John chapter one. First John chapter one. So Genesis 32 verse 22 this is what it says. It says that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. How awesome is that? It's Old Testament, people. Don't even try it. Uh, his two female servants and his 11 sons. He obviously loved his two female wives. He crossed the fort of the Jabbok and after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over his possessions, which... It's actually really important to note because we could read something like that and just think that the, the Bible is giving us a description when really this man is pretty methodic and, and planned out uh, what he was doing and what was going on. So it says, after he had sent them across, he then sent over his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. What a line to throw in there, right? Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed them there. Then he blessed him there. Skipping on over to a new Testament. Book first John chapter one, verse eight says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 6 p.m. service, which you guys do have the reputation for being the rowdiest church service here at Free Chapel. So, uh, you guys alive? Awesome. I want to take the next few moments, probably about three hours or so. And uh, anyone good with that? Three hours of preaching. Those are all the Pentecostals right there. I love you. I want to preach to you a sermon titled, uh, A Royal Rumble. Come on, if you're taking notes, why don't you jot that down? A Royal Rumble. Let's just pray one more time. Father, we need you. Would you do only what you could do? Would you, would you speak through your servant? Would you have your way in this place? And I pray that each and every one of us would leave this place completely different from the way that we walked in. We honor you. and We say, do only what you could do. In the name of Jesus, we all shout out. Amen. 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 Come on, one more time. Can we just put our hands together for, just for this church and that amazing pianist that... Made me sound a lot better than I really just did. Thanks so much, man. We'll, we'll do this again in a few seconds. Don't go far, please. Just stay with me. There you go. Thanks, bud. Um, how many of you uh, have friends? Uh, how many of you are the kind of friend that loves your friends? Me. M- me is me. Like, I, I love my friends and I actually love having a lot of friends. I'm actually excited to be here. I have a whole host of my friends. They they came out to to hang with me. My boy Aaron, who's up here, and and Jamin. I get to see Ben. in the last service, some of my friends came out. One of my best friends traveled with me. I I, I love my friends. And when I, when I think about my friends, I actually have a plethora of different friends. I have happy friends. I have sarcastic friends. I I have I have nice friends. I have smart friends. Come on, who who here? Is grateful for the smart friends i i am so great like i have some friends that are are really smart like the kind of friends that use words that you never understand but the way they say it, it's so confident you know what that they're saying is right so you listen you know what i'm talking about like those kind of friends like the the kind of phone a friend friend like if you were playing who wants to be a millionaire that's the guy that you would call and anyone have those friends some of you are thinking i'm that friend (laughs) show off um but, but I, I love my friends. But if I'm being honest, my favorite kind of friends are my honest friends. I love honesty. I, I appreciate honesty. And I, I love the kind of honesty that you don't, even, you don't even have to ask them the question. They're just straight up honest with you. They are going to tell you that shirt, it doesn't fit. The colors don't match. Ooh, your breath stinks. Like they're that kind of honest. I, I love those kind of friends. My friend June, who's sitting up here traveling to me, he's one of the most honest people I know. It's why I love him so much, because he will tell me, like, man, that was good. I walk off stage, be like, ooh, that was bad. Don't do it again. Like, I, I just, I appreciate the honesty. I, I value the honesty. It's, it's important to me, and I, I think it's so important to me because I feel like we serve a God who appreciates honesty. I think we serve a God who who wants us to be honest. and, And I grew up in church my whole entire life. So for me, I always grew up thinking that if you want to experience God or if you want more of God, then you have to be as honest as possible. But the truth is, that's not necessarily true. Like it is, but... But it isn't. And I know that some of you theologians right now are thinking to yourself like, oh, my goodness, what's this new millennial preacher talking about? We have to check his Bible and make sure that he's on the right page. But just bear with me a second, because when you, when you read that story, that story that I just read to you, we are talking about a man who is possibly one of the most dishonest people in our Bible, and yet he's the guy that gets to wrestle with God. I mean, this guy is a liar, he's a cheater, and it's not just him. He comes from a family of liars, okay? He's the kind of guy that lies to his brother, steals his brother's blessing to his father, and his mom helped him do it. So it's not that he's just dishonest. His mom is dishonest. And then when he meets his uncle, when he runs into his uncle Laban, his uncle Laban cheats him. He tries to hustle his uncle because he knew the culture, and the uncle says to him, If you want to work for me, what do you want? He says, I want to marry your daughter. But according to the culture, that means he should have married the oldest daughter. He looks at his uncle, he tries to hustle his uncle. He says, I want to marry your daughter, but I want to marry the youngest daughter. He knew that that was wrong, and yet he still tried to do it. But at the end, if you know the story, his uncle ends up hustling him, making him marry the other daughter that he didn't ask for. And then when he wants to really get the one that he wants. He has to work a whole lot more time in order for that to happen. I mean, this guy comes from a family of hustlers. If they had a reality television show, it would be titled Family Hustle. So when I read this, I I, I look at this text, I, I think to myself, how does a guy like that get an experience like this? How does the dishonest guy in the Old Testament Not just the Old Testament. The first book of the Bible. See, some of us, some of us, we we get a little bit perplexed by this because it messes with with how we think. It it messes with how we look at the Bible. It it messes with how we think about our God because there are so many people that would argue that the Old Testament God is a God of justice and he's a God of law and he's kind of like a cruel God and a mean God. But the God of the New Testament is a God of grace and he's a God of mercy and he's a God of love. Like if there is a difference between the two. But the truth is theology allows us to know that there's no way that that could be possible especially with the scripture that states that the God that we serve today is the same God from yesterday today and forever so the one that gets perplexed by this you shouldn't be perplexed because when you look at this story this is actually one of the greatest moments of grace in our bible and yet it happens in the very first book why does grace happen in the first book Because God is grace. And because God is grace, he can't do anything outside of his character. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means that grace always was because God always was. Grace is not a new idea. It's not a millennial idea. It's not a new preaching just to get people in the room idea. Grace is the good news of God. This is why he could show up in a moment like this. A moment like this. Do you know what's even going on in this moment? Yeah, he he wrestles with God, but he wrestles with God in the middle of a hustle. He's running from his brother. The brother that he robbed. And he finds himself in this place, and he says to himself, oh my goodness, if my brother finds me, he's going to kill me. So listen to what he does. Listen to what the schemer does. He takes one wife and he sends her that way. And commentators will tell you that the second wife, he probably sent a different way. Why? Because he figured if I send one wife this way and the other wife that way, and some of my possessions this way. And then some of my possessions that way. If my brother comes from this way and he captures my wife and he captures my possessions, then I still have this wife and those possessions. And think about the order that he does it. He sends the wife first, then the possessions. Like he's like, I'd rather keep the PlayStation and the Xbox and the laptop. Honey, you go. He is a hustler. He's a cheater. and, And in the middle of his plot... In the middle of you go that way and you go that way, and I'ma stay and I'ma scheme and I'ma watch to see which direction I should go. That is where God shows up. Some of you, your theology is being messed with right now because you thought that you could only get an experience with God when you come to Him. But what you need to realize about our God is that there is no situation too bad, there is no situation too dark, there is no scheme too evil that will keep God from you. This is is why you cannot limit God to the four walls of a building. You can't limit God to a certain conference or a certain type of music or a certain kind of atmosphere. Oh, the atmosphere isn't right. God won't show up. Are you kidding me? God does what he wants, when he wants, no matter what's going on. Our God is a God that is omnipresent. Our God is a God that could go wherever he wants to be and show up however he wants. I mean, think about it. In the New Testament, what does the Bible say? It says, our God conquered death. He could be in the middle of death and still bring life. Which on a side note, this is why so many of you So many of you have found yourself in dark places and yet still felt the presence of God. Some of you have felt yourself in some moments and you're experiencing God and you're like, God, what you doing here? Like I get why you were in the OC and that's Jensen's church. We know you're going to be there. But like here, when I'm in this place, when I'm at this bar, when I'm at this concert, when I'm by myself and the kids went to bed and the wife went to bed and I'm on the laptop looking at that thing. That's why some of us can't even sin right. You thought you were going to backslide that one night? <laughs> Which we always save for our birthdays. I don't, I don't know why, like... Like, we should be grateful God gave us another year, right? But like, like, that's where like the young adults, like, oh, it's my birthday, it's time to turn up. And they go in the back of their closet and they get the mini dress and they call all their friends, not their church friends because they know someone's gonna tell on them. They call their non-Christian friends and then they go to the club and then they end up in the club and all their friends are having a good time and they're doing this and they're getting down. And then all of a sudden that song comes in their, in their mind. They're like, the atmosphere is changing now. The spirit of the Lord. Like they go in a liturgical dance and your friends are looking at you like, what is that? That's the new dance girl. You're like, yeah, you know, because the presence of God is not confined to a, a worship service. You think God is so powerful and so great, majestic and full of mercy. That he's going to watch you in your sin and then disregard you? He's going to watch you and look at you like, oh, they went off the deep end. I'm not with them anymore, but if they show up to Forward Conference, then maybe I can get with them again. Your God loves you so much that he will follow you. He will chase you. He will show up in the darkest of moments. He will show up in the toughest of times. I mean, this isn't just good preaching. This is reality. Is there anybody? You are on your way out. You made the wrong turn. You made the wrong decision, but God showed up. Come on. Are there any of those kind of believers in the room? You were gonna go that route you were gonna do that thing you purchased that thing that you shouldn't have and God showed up if that's you come on give him a praise in this place bad scenarios will not stop God's great presence He does what he wants, when he wants, and he will show up. However, and what I love about this story is that this man, this this Jacob, he's able to respond to it. Jacob is so strong in this moment. He's able to hang on to God. To God. He, He didn't go to theology school. He didn't go to Bible school. This wasn't the moment after he repented. He had not even repented yet, and he was able to grab a hold of God. He had not even confessed yet. He had not even come out of that place yet. And God shows up and allows him to grab onto him and God grabs onto him. And he hadn't even been at that place, which is why some of you get bothered when people or pastors say, hey, you could, you could belong before you believe. And you're like, for real, they could belong before they believe. Absolutely. Why? Because we serve a God that does not treat us as we deserve. He will show up and he will love us. But please believe he does expect the change. But the truth is, if God grabs a hold of you, how could you not change? Some of you have said you're too weak to grab on to God because of your scenario. And yet this scenario proves you a liar. Because if you are a believer, how much more greater and, and, and stronger are you than a Jacob? To be able to grab onto God when this man is completely not serving God, this man is completely lying, he's a complete sinner, and even the sinner can grab a hold of God. What I love is, is that this is proof that anyone in any position, in any place, can latch to God. And what I love is he actually gives us an illustration, and not only an illustration, but evidence of what we do when God shows up. When God shows up, what do you do? You wrestle. You wrestle. How do do you wrestle? Because that's a once in a lifetime type of moment. It could seem that way, but each and every one of us can wrestle. When you worship, you wrestle. When you praise, you wrestle. When you read your word, you wrestle. When you tithe, you wrestle. When you serve, you wrestle. Regardless of what you're dealing with, regardless of what you're going through, if you decide to call on to God, then you are wrestling. And my suggestion to you is that we would learn how to wrestle just a little bit longer and hold on just a little bit tighter because just because you're going through a bad situation does not mean you can't make a good decision. Some of you need to realize that the best decision you can make is grabbing onto God in the midst of your bad, in the midst of your adversity, in the midst of your sin. My suggestion would be to grab onto God and never let go. Because when you grab onto God, there's a blessing that is coming on the other side. And that is not just hyper charismatic preaching. That is in the word of God. So then my question to you, what is your response when God picks a fight with you? Do you run or do you latch on? Do you shut down or are you open to the conversation? I don't know why I'm dealing with this. I don't really want to be aggressive. I I want it done for me. But the truth is, that's not how this scenario works. He has created us to what? To worship him, to honor him. All praise, all glory, do him. He gets glory when we respond to him if my people would come to me if, if my people would latch on to me if my if my people would grab a hold of me in the midst of whatever you're doing if I didn't stop you if God didn't stop you from coming to him in the middle of what you're going through why would you excuse yourself why would you make a decision that God has even chose not to make I'm not in the right place I shouldn't show up I've been dealing with this stuff I shouldn't lift up my hands I looked at that thing again last night. I made that mistake again last night. I I spoke to my husband in a certain way. I spoke to my wife in a certain way. It's it's been a tough week. It's been a dry week. I love Christians. We spiritualize everything. We use Christianese. You know, it's been a desolate week. I've been walking through my desert. You live in New York City. What are you talking about? There is no desert. I've been dealing with this. I, I I can't do it. You can't grab a hold of God. How could you make a God decision when you're not God if God makes that decision then let God make that decision But if he says, I want you to come to me, if he says, I'm going to grab a hold of you, who are you to let go of him? See, I just want to encourage somebody before I move on and get to my main point. I know you've been going through some stuff. I know you've been dealing with some tough times. I know there's a lot going on at the job, whatever you're dealing with, your kids, there's something going on in the marriage. But my encouragement with you today would be to start wrestling in order to see a breakthrough, to start wrestling if you want to see victory, if you want to see a championship, if you want to see success, then you need to learn how to wrestle. See, some of you are bothered by this word right now because you're in the middle of it, but I'm going to keep on pushing you until you start wrestling. See, some of you feel so uncomfortable right now, and instead of just, just looking down at the floor, you should be standing on your feet right now. Some of you are reminded of the issues you've been dealing with. What you should be doing is lifting up your hands right now. The one that fought in the car before they got here and feels like they're going through some stuff, you should be on your feet right now giving your God a shout of praise. See, I'm giving you a moment in this point of the service to step outside of the service and step into the ring and fight for your life. When you wrestle with life, you fight for your life. When you grab a hold of life, you will see life. And this is where Jacob is at. He's in his darkest place. He's in his most broken place. And yet he's experiencing life. And here's the best part. He doesn't even fully understand it. How do I know? He asks him his name. How could you be around the presence of God and not understand God? How could you experience God and not fully get it? You know what to me this is proof of? The grace of God. Even when you don't fully understand it, it doesn't mean that you can't fully receive it. Some of us are looking for answers when all God wants from you is a response. You're waiting for God to answer it. And God is looking at you like your praise and your grabbing is the answer. You're holding on is the answer. I know you don't fully understand the scenario right now. I know you don't fully understand what's happening right now. I mean, you send one wife this way, you send one wife that way, and then you're wrestling with a man on the floor. What happens if they walk back and they saw it? He's in this awkward, weird scenario, and yet he knows that it's too good to let go. He doesn't, he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't fully understand what it is, but he chooses not to let go. For the one that, I just feel in my heart, I didn't plan on saying this. For the one that's struggling. You feel like you're not smart because you feel like you don't know your Bible. and You don't know where certain books are and you can't quote scriptures. That doesn't make you any less important. That doesn't make you any less special. It doesn't mean that you can't experience God or you can't be used by God. God is not looking for eloquence. He's just looking for willingness. If you would grab onto him. He'll reveal himself to you, grabs on to God. He 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 wrestles with God. And at the end of it, at the end of it, God says to him, let go. I want to be that kind of believer. See, some of us will look at a Jacob and now knowing what we know, we think we're better than Jacob. But the truth is, we wouldn't last an hour. We wouldn't last two hours. we'll we'll, we'll pray for a few minutes and then we'll go on to whatever we were doing. We'll we'll worship for a few seconds. If if worship goes over a little bit, we're like, ah, they didn't stick to the timeline. They didn't didn't stick to the schedule. But the truth is when you're desperate, you'll do things that you don't normally do. Why? Because you want a blessing. You want a breakthrough and you don't care about your culture. You don't care how you grew up. You don't care about your denomination. You don't care where you come from. You just know you need the presence of God. And let me tell you something. You could experience the presence of God wherever it is that you would choose to wrestle. See, I know you can wrestle here and experience God But no, if you start to wrestle with God In your house, you'll experience the presence of God You want to see your children turn around Start wrestling with God You want to see your marriage turn around Start wrestling with God I know you get up at 7am and get the kids ready But maybe you get up an hour or so early So that you could wrestle with God I know you usually work out at 6am You could work out at 6am But maybe you start wrestling at 5am Because I want to start my day in the presence of God Getting everything it is. Is that I need to make sure that I could become the man that he has called me to be I mean what is your response when the king of kings and the lord of lords choose to pick a fight with you do you walk away from it where I'm from if you walk away from a fight the queen's New York came out of me I'm sorry don't, don't tell Jensen um what's the response what is it what does it look like some of you need to be grabbing a hold of god I, I know you're in the midst of your your bad situation and your and your tough scenario but if god is reaching out to you who are you to walk away from him i'm going ask the worship team to come on up because in a few moments we're gonna pray and well we're gonna wrestle Not with each other. That could be a weird statement. (laughs) Let's just think about this as we close. Jacob's wrestling with God. It's God, okay? He's in this hidden state. Let's paint the picture. He's on the run. He's hiding from his brother. He sends wife one that way, wife two that way. And he's in this dark, hidden place. And God knows where to find him. Right? If God knows where to find him, and knows that this man needs him, wouldn't it be obscure that he would then ask him his name? They're wrestling. I think we're a little past introductions. They went all night. They wrestled and tussled all night. You want to know my name now, <laughs> guys? It's God. Do you really think that He didn't know His name? The name Jacob actually translates to hustler. When He says, "What's your name?" He's not only saying, "My name is Jacob." He's saying, "I am hustler." Who are you? Hustler. It wasn't that he didn't know Jacob's name. It was that he needed Jacob to know Jacob's name. He's God. He knew where he was, what he was dealing with, so when he asks him the response, is, he says, "I am Jacob. I'm a hustler. I'm a liar." I'm a cheater. And then at the end of that, God says, here's your blessing. What? I thought I'd like pay my tithe for like two years, you know? I thought I'd like read the Bible back and forth before I got a blessing. Like like not sinned and listen to nothing but worship music. Like, Like this guy tells God that he's a liar and then he gets blessed it's amazing cuz when it comes to god it's it's not about appearances it's about honesty especially in a society that tries to prove itself and appear a certain way if i own this i appear happy if i have this then then you must want it. And if you want it, then that means I'm, I'm living the better life than you. If I have more followers and, and if I have the, the, the prettier wife or the better car or, or the better vacation spot or the bigger house, it must appear that I'm better. And if it appears that I'm better, then perception's reality. Then if perception's reality, then I could live in that and I could act like I have it all together. But what God is saying, I don't want your perception. I want your reality because there's the truth. I know exactly who you are. I know exactly what you're dealing with with. I just want you to be honest with me. He says, I'm a hustler. He admits to being bad and he gets good? What? How do you admit to bad and and get good? I'm a liar. Be blessed. (laughs) I'm a cheater. Here's a blessing. What's funny is that in wrestling matches, usually you have a winner and a loser. But in this match, you have a winner and a winner. God won because he got man to respond to him. Man won because he admitted that he was in a state that he needed God. In order to win in the kingdom of God is not to appear strong, but it's actually to confess that we're weak. I know some of you have been trying to keep up with appearances for a while now. You want to appear happy. And you want to seem like you got it all together. and You want to make people believe that you're having the time of your life, but in reality, just on the inside, you're broken, and you're asking questions, you're angry or you're bitter or you're, you're perplexed or you're frustrated and, and God is saying, just, just tell me about it because I already know. You know what theology tells us? Theology tells us that confession is saying the same as God. How powerful is that? Confession is saying the same as God. In other words, to admit who you are is to say what God already says about you. God doesn't read what you put on your profile he reads and says what he sees in your heart. You're not going to fool God. You're only hurting yourself. Whether it's two wives or, or one wife, I promise you from that moment on, that man went on to be the better husband that he would have ever been, and the better father, and the better man. Why? All because he confessed. This is why it says if we claim to be without sin we we deceive we lie and to lie is a sin that means the truth is not in us oh but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us all from unrighteousness if you thought confessing sins was all about getting saved and it was something you just did on the day you got saved then you don't understand how this thing works. You know why God gives us new mercies every day? Because we need them every day. We don't remain good. Because of our our flesh, because of our human nature, we're going to make mistakes. So he says, I'm going to supply you with new mercy. Just keep on confessing. Keep on surrendering. Keep on admitting. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to ask you what you're doing.